Heavenly Father, thank you for the gospel that is depicted in the Lord's Supper, in this communion, in this Eucharist. Father, may we dwell on that and think about it. May we celebrate it at our dinner tables with our families, at our small groups, wherever we are. Anybody can, anywhere. Father, please keep revealing more and more of your grace, life, and love in us. Make it more and more real. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The last number of weeks, I've been dealing with this subject of the gospel. I started with talking about the gospel in chairs and giving a comparison of a popular message of what the gospel is and then sharing a view that I have found far more helpful in seeing what the finished work of the cross really does look like. Comparisons matter. It helps because sometimes we can't see that we're not seeing things fully all the way through. None of us have the full answer. None of us have... The absolute correct answer. We talked about that last week as well. Just look at all the denominations we have. Look at all the groups and, and Christian ministries and parachurch organizations. We're the ones who have it right. Oh, it's scary. I hope I never say that. Now, I do believe everything I teach. Okay? But I've not arrived at the completeness of it all. And neither have you. But I love the journey. And I want to continue to show you some of the things that have totally impacted my life and is the foundation for everything I believe and what I have come to see. And I cannot unsee what I now see. I just can't. For a long time, I, I had a gospel that, you know, was, I went to Bible college and they told you how to teach it. Did it. Great. It was pretty solid. My passion for Jesus was never in question. I love Jesus all the time. Always have. Inconsistent? Yeah, sure. In behavior. But then I came to a message of grace. Wow, my identity in Christ is amazing. Wow, I've got the answers now. All the legalists, they're terrible. You know, I've got to point out all they're wrong. Well, that doesn't go over too well. Because now you're pointing out wrong, 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 and you sound like a negative person. And then I step into a revelation I can't explain fully anymore. It's like, oh, oh my goodness, how am I going to explain this? You know what I mean? And in that journey, different parts of Scripture have come to light and been pointed out to me. And some of those who disagree with me have repointed out old texts that have been the standalones, same old, same old. I've already visited all those many, many times. But the ones that have been pointed out to me that I've had to really rethink, I've never stopped until now to question, wait a minute, it does say that instead of just skipping over it quickly to the next one, the next verse. Do you, do you know what I mean? There are verses that we just don't question or that's a little bit uncomfortable, let's move on quickly. Some of the ones that I'm seeing a new light into, I'm sharing with you. Not to tell you what it means. So please don't hear me say, I am right, and if you don't see it my way, it's wrong. Instead, what I want you to do, my prayer today, is that you'll look at the verses and see what the scripture says. Because as I said last week, 
I, I can hear people say, are you saying that everybody's saved and going to heaven? Is that what you're saying? Have I said that ever in this church? Ever, ever, ever. Okay. I've never said it and I don't believe it. Okay, for the record, done, stop asking that. Instead, do what I'm trying to point out. Read the verse and ask, what is it saying? Please. And don't run a rabbit trail to all the other verses you think you fully understand. Because God's going to give you a new revelation, new insight into those too. Or he might confuse you even more. Now I really don't know what those mean. And that's okay. Because none of us are the Bible answer man. All right? But when I saw this revelation of light, the light of Christ shining through darkness, this was my beginning into seeing how Christ is in all things and in all people. This is the first time I saw it. Now, if I didn't know any better, I'd run to universalism. Well, you must be a universalist. Guys, I'm only showing you what I see the scriptures say. Don't run to that spot because I'm not saying it. I never have and I never will. All right? Please, show some integrity. Show some credibility for the study of scripture and the journey. So those who send me a list of verses, I'm not going to answer your verses. Because it's not the question or the list of verses that I have to answer. Instead, it's your fundamental understanding of what you think the gospel is and where you're coming from. Then you look at your verses. Then you dig in and understand. Some people may ask, well, why is this so important? I believe it's fine. You don't have to overexplain it because there's a lot of people stuck in legalism or stuck in a Western mindset that do not see what I see an even better gospel. One that affects all humanity. You need to believe it or it's of no benefit to you. Last week, we talked about this idea of reconciling. And I decided to add a couple of verses in here just for fun, translations. For God was where? In Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Okay, stop there for a minute. Your Heavenly Father does not count sins against anybody. Am I making that up? Hello? No. I'm not making it up. Where was God reconciling the world? At what place in history? What point? At the cross. God was in Christ when the reconciliation took place. He was not absent. God did not turn his back on Jesus. That's the point here. And no longer counting people's sins against them. So I've heard these soapbox preachers and downtown preachers say, God hates you, God's gonna, your sin's gonna get you. Well, your sin might. God won't. There's a difference. Huge difference. God's not counting these sins against you. Sin is big enough to punish you, not God. He's not gonna punish you because he took care of everything at the cross. Punishment is punitive. And he gave us, listen, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. In the New American Standard Bible, it says, he has committed, placed in us, to us, the word of reconciliation. That's your message to the world. To declare the reconciliation that has already happened. Past tense. 
Young's literal translation says, and having put in us the word of the reconciliation. The Mirror Bible says, as God has placed this message in us, he now announces his friendship with every individual from within us. The voice comes from within, for that is where the light shines. All right? Reconciliation, just to remind you, for those who weren't here last week, reconciliation means re-establishing, reinstatement, restoration, to reconcile, to recreate friendly relationships, to make things compatible or consistent. Were things incompatible between mankind and God before the cross? Yes, relationally, from man's perspective. They were dead in their minds, blind. They could not see who God the Father was any longer. Whatever happened in the garden, the relationship was wrecked in the garden. And who was the one who had the mind change? Who had to do the running and hiding? It was not God going, Oh, I can't have a sin. Oh, I'm just a sin. That's how some people teach it. No way. He runs to it. He chases down those who are trapped in it. Why do you think he was called a friend of sinners? Are you hearing it? Jesus is not, and God is not, and the Holy Spirit is not repulsed by sin. He loves you. He loves those who are in the darkness. He loves those who are blind. He can't see the light that is in them. And I'll prove that in a few minutes if I have time. God's the pursuer, the initiator. Because he took care of everything at the cross. He reconciled the world. Therefore, it's done. This is big. Please don't go overthinking now. And you may have to pause some of your ideas. What are you trying to say, Mike? Are you trying to say this? No, have I, if, I'm going to say what I'm trying to say. Okay? You've learned that about me by now. But here's what I want you to know. And this is really important. I hope I can explain this right. But over the last five years, let's say 17 years, the answers I thought were the answers can be questioned. And suddenly I have another perspective on the same question and get just a bit of a different answer. Not completely different than the other one, but it's morphed. Now I'm seeing a different angle. And then another revelation comes and I, and I, I understand the love of God even bigger. And I can't explain it, but I see it and suddenly, later, another thing happens. Ah, now I know why, and I see it. Do you, does that make any sense? Okay, that's what it's like. So don't ask, what verse says that? Prove it. Well, I'm showing you. That's why I'm showing you all the scriptures so you don't trust Mike's words. You trust the word of God and your, how you interpret it and see it. You may disagree with me, and that's fine. Then at least stay friends. Don't be a Christian jerk. And what I mean by a Christian jerk is once you find people who you're friends with, you find out you're only friends because of the same belief, not because of your, they like you. I found that as a harsh, harsh reality. And I've seen some really good people that I thought were friends totally ditch me and ditch other people I know just because I now see things differently than them and they're accusing me of seeing it a way that I don't even see it. It's like, Really? And one person said to me, I thought we were friends. I said, we're not friends. 
We may be colleagues in the ministry, but I have beer with friends, all right? And it's safe to talk. I don't have to fear being judged that everything I say is wrong by you and you're going to scrutinize every sentence and conversation. That's not a friend. It's not a safe place to have these discussions. But I want these discussions to happen more and more among us. That's why I like this Friday morning group. We can talk about it. What do you actually mean by that? <laughs> so I've got, I've got to get a lot of preparation ready for this Friday. <laughs> Just kidding. I hope you see reconciliation. Let's dig into this next part. Colossians 3, 10 to 11. We did the second half. We did verse 11 last week. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. This is about your identity. Please hear this. This is who you are because of this. You're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator. With his label on it. Ooh, not made in China. (laughs) Made by Christ. You got a new outfit. It looks good on you. And if you start wearing an item or an outfit that is not designed for you, it's going to look funny on you or really ugly. That's what the New Testament commands are all about. Wear the clothes you've been given. Don't wear that other outfit that looks terrible on you, those behaviors that are associated with it. Stop it. It looks terrible. It's not who you really are. Stop it. the, The message of grace says no to ungodliness and bad behavior. It's not a license to go sin. And sin simply means missing the mark. That's what it means. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Hallelujah. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized, uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. (sighs) This is an uncomfortable one because are you trying to say everybody's saved and going to heaven? Are Are you saying this is the universalist verse? The universalists use that verse, but I do not see it that way. I think universalism is too too dogmatic, but I'd rather be friends with them than those who say God only appointed some for heaven and created everybody else for a a living hell. I don't see that anymore. And we are going to teach on that. I am going to cover, and it's going to be called What the Hell? (laughs) I'm serious. I'm looking forward to teaching on it because it's time we, we revisited that subject and saw what the early church taught on it. It's not quite what you think. And there's one good book, good book back there called Her Gates Will Never Be Shut, probably the best book on hell I've ever read. And I've read a few. By far the best, by Brad Jerzak, who's actually coming here next week in, to Mississauga to teach. Everyone is included in Christ. What does that mean? That means something has happened where everyone's included, but not everybody believes. Both are true. That's not either or. That's the problem. In Western theology, Colossians 3.10 from the New American Standard Bible. Just so you know, I'm just not reading it from a paraphrase. Oh, it's just saying that? Oh, yeah? Watch this. And having put on the new self, who is being renewed, renovated is a word that's used in there as well, to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. You're made like the one who created you. Isn't that cool? You're like God. You're like him. 
clean, holy, pure, righteous, redeemed, reconciled. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, which means not Greeks either by birth or culture, Silithian, slave, freeman, but sure. Uh, but Christ is all and in all. In all. Does everything and everyone know it? No. Let's keep going. Ephesians 4 6. Again, I'm not making this up. And if you've glossed over these verses and went, oh, I'm not sure what that means, I'm going to rattle your cage a little bit and say, yeah, no, no. Just. Pause and hear this. Because my question to you is this. What if it is true? What if it's true? Either it's really true and we don't understand it, or we say it's not true and have it all figured out already. I know it's true, but there's a different understanding. There's a theology that is deeper and older than I've been exposed to. And that's what I'm doing. I'm going back to the early church fathers of the first five centuries who were the closest to the truth at that time. Some people say, who are the early church fathers? Is it Martin Luther? No, are you kidding? Calvin? John? No, are you kidding? Charles Hodge? What? Are you guys nuts? That's not the early church fathers. Those are the early church fathers of Protestantism. Protestism. That's where it came from. That's why you're called Protestant. Protesting the Catholic stuff. Yeah. The early church fathers. Go back to Athanasius. Arrhenius. Go back to the first five century writers. Oh, there's so much there. And a lot of the material is free online. The Incarnation of Christ by Athanasius. Ask me, I'll email you a free PDF of it. Oh my goodness. Wake up to see what they believed. It's going to rock your world, if you care. If you don't, if it's not your thing, don't worry about it. But I'm excited about it, so that's what you're stuck hearing. Ephesians 4, 6. One God and Father of all. Who is above all. And through all. And in all. Look it up in your own Bible. Later. All. He's in all. Don't do a rabbit trail run and say, then it must mean that. Stop that. Absorb what you see instead. Let it sink in. What does this mean? It's going to change your perspective of everybody. I promise you that. Message translation. One God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. I can get one translation getting it wrong. <laughs> the Passion Bible. Works through us all and lives in us all. The Mirror Bible. He is present in all. He is above all, through all, and in all. Not in my mind, that's a non-negotiable now. What does it mean? That's why I'm talking to you about this. 2 Corinthians 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, ooh, 
ooh, <laughs> there might be something you can't see yet. It is veiled to those who are perishing. What does that mean? That's for another sermon. It's not what you think it means. In whose case the God, small g of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Remember we talked about Jesus being the exact representation, the exact same as God the Father? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Do you remember that in John? He calls them out. Show us the Father, please. Hey, guys, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Come on. Here it is. It's the same. The image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. And ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who, it, for God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It is God who shone in us. Without that light shining through, you can't believe. You can't see anything. Um, when I was ordained many, many years ago, I had to spend a year doing systematic theology with, a, with another pastor because I couldn't memorize very well and they didn't think I had my theology right. And I was growing, whatever. Um, so I did this study and it ended up being a Reformed theologian. Uh, I forget what the name of the book is now. I just I can't remember it. But in it, it talked about salvation. And by the way, that's another topic. Start doing some research on what does saved mean? It's not just one little Western evangelical definition. See, defining terms matters now. Which dictionary are you using? All right? So if you do a study of saved, you're going to find out sozo actually means hailed, healed. Okay? Like, let's dig into that another time. It's a rabbit trail, like, but I'm teasing you now. Okay? Because that's how the Holy Spirit has gotten me. Teasing me with a sentence that I heard somebody say. Went, Wait a minute, what was that? That's why I'm careful not to teach you what I fully believe, because I can't. But if I share with you some of these exciting verses, maybe the Holy Spirit will spark something in you and go, I need to, I need to study that, because some of this stuff has taken me three or four years to be confident about and fully see. I was scared, like really scared, because I saw what the damage it did to some of my friends. And I love this church, and I love you guys. I don't want to lose friends here. Because it sounds too radical, but now it's making sense. It's like, okay, I'm seeing this now. The light shines in the darkness. John 1, 9. The one who is the true light, who gives light to some people if they say the prayer right. That's right. It says, who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. There was the true light, which, or which enlightens every person coming into the world, coming into the world, enlightens every man. Man includes woman too. Just so you know, don't get on my case about that stuff. A new day for humanity has come. The authentic light of life that illuminates everyone was about to dawn in the world. The light is shining in us. The light of Christ shines through everything, every human. Therefore, the revelation that comes is from the light already in us. So when I was reading the Systematic Theology book, oh my goodness, I started to see salvation. You can't even say the prayer without the Christ already being there. 
I went, what? This is Reformed theology. Are you kidding me? This, it says that? And it caused me to now see some of this. It's like, oh my goodness. This is years ago before I heard all this stuff. But I believed that part. I believed. How can you say the prayer without the Holy Spirit already being in your mind and in your heart? Like, how can you? You're blind. Right? How can a blind person call out to something they can't see? Good question. But when their eyes are open, their prayer of faith is a response to the revelation given to them. And then they become Christians as they respond to the good news of the gospel. Psalm 139. Oh, you'll like this. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. How many people have prayed this prayer in despair when things are tough? I have. This, this is a powerful one. It's the end that's really cool, or the end that I'm going to show you. Watch this. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. By the way, pause here. Listen, God knew he's not absent from anybody, right? Because in Colossians, and we'll, I don't think we'll get to it today, but Colossians says, you know, Christ holds all things together. He's holding David together. Of course he knows when he sits and stands and does everything. Of course, he's attached. He's holding him together. Do you see it? Okay. Take that truth. Now take the light truth. Put them together and go, whoa. Mind-blowing. Let's keep going. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it all. That means you guys can vent. I can vent. We can be really transparent with the Holy Spirit, really transparent with the Trinity, express our frustrations, our angers, our joys. They already know what you're thinking. Do you get that? There's no secrets. Nice try. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can you go from your spirit? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Ha, nowhere. <laughs> if I ascend to the heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol in the grave, behold, ha, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, hiding like I can, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely, the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. How many of us are in a moment of darkness, calamity, trouble in our circumstances, relationships, job, money, house, car, you name it, and darkness is, is covering, you can't even see the light, but the light is there. And to God, it's all the same. You're good. It doesn't feel like you are. It doesn't look like you are. Circumstantially, it doesn't feel like it. I'm anxious. Surrender your anxiousness. You can't control a thing anyway. Finally, I get to this verse. Finally. The eye is the lamp of the body. 
So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And here it is. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Fact number one. That is in you. The light is in you. But if it's darkness to you, oh my goodness, how great is that darkness? You're lost. You're blind. Deaf. Dumb. How great. Wow, it's there. Luke 11. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light, with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illuminated as when the lamp illumines you with its rays. Young's literal translation says, Take heed then, lest the light that is in thee be darkness. Just because the light is there does not mean everybody sees it. Those who see it become believers, I think. That is a level of saved I agree with. At that moment, a salvation takes place, a revelation of the mind, the healing of the mind takes place. <gasps> I get it. A sozo takes place. Wow. Maybe God is gooder than you thought. <laughs> Are you seeing that? Is it just me or? Wow. Psalm 97. Light is sown like seed for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Hmm. Aren't we called to bring in a harvest? Help bring in a harvest? How many of you have heard that verse? Great evangelism thing. You're never told to plant seeds. I'm just planting a seed. No, you're called to bring in the harvest. God's the one who does the sowing. He's the one who has planted his light in all. It's his job to illuminate, illuminate that in, in, in other individuals. Even in believers sometimes, it can get pretty dark. We need to be reminded. Hence the body of Christ staying together, encouraging one another. It's not an independent ride. It's a family ride. 2 Corinthians 5, almost done. So for the love of Christ controls us. Not our duty, not our good intentions, not our motivations, the love of Christ. The love, listen, see that? The love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for some. Oh, that one died for all. Therefore, all died. And he died for all. Which goes in the absolute face of those who say God died only for a few that are going to make it to heaven. The rest get to burn just like the rotisserie channel. <clears throat> and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves 
but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, now on, as in now, for all of you in this room, time and space, now, now, if you didn't see this before, now, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, because they saw him in body, they saw him as a man. Okay? We don't recognize each other after our earth suits anymore and behaviors. I think we need to see each other after the light that is in people, and we look for the light now. We speak to the light that's in them. Speak to the truth of who is shining through. Huh. Recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, in the King James interlinear Bible, it's, a, it's missing this idea. Anyone, uh, therefore, if, the word if is not there. Therefore, anyone is in Christ. He is a new creature. And the old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled, past tense, us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Oof. Colossians 1, 15 to 17. We're going to stop here. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. Oh, and for him. If everything, everything, all things have been created for him, that includes the people you can't stand. Let that sink in. All things, everyone has been created for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There is no separation except in the mind. Separation happens up here. It's physically impossible. I have a video I want to show you, but it's way too late. So we'll do that next week. We'll continue on. If you want to get a sneak peek into next week, I invite you to please look at the story of Peter and his revelation on the rooftop at the tanner's house. Read that whole thing front to end. You'll have an idea what I'm going to cover next week and see if you can find it. <laughs> what is it? Come back next week and we'll tell you. <laughs> Sound good? We're going to do a, a two offerings today. But before we do, let's close this in prayer, and then I'll talk to, talk to you about the offerings. Heavenly Father, we have possibly understood certain verses a certain way our entire lives. If you are revealing us, or to us, anew, or new to us anyway, because it's not new, and understanding what some of these verses could mean, and the ramifications of those, will you be the one to carry us through helping us understand, to wrestle with, scream, kick, cry, argue, all that stuff. You're safe enough to do that with. And I'm personally not done. There's a whole bunch more questions I have, and I'm not sure I'll have the answers in this lifetime. So Lord, will you be our journey? 
Will you be the one who gives revelation? Be our peace, be our joy, and let us live from the light that is in us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.